All right, Mark 14, and we're down now to about verse 41, 42 last time. So we'll pick up here and just kind of read. We come here to verse 41, and uh, again, we verse 41, And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. So here we are, right in the middle of Christ facing the cross. Uh, he's on his way to be betrayed. They're in the garden. He's gone and prayed. He took, the, took Peter, James, and John with him a little further. Prays, goes again, prays, comes back. Every time he's come back, he's found them asleep. And uh, now he's done asked that, hey, if it's possible, again, not a question, but rather, hey, you know, let's double check everything. We're good to go. Not my will, but thy will be done. And he comes back here now the third time, verse 41, and uh, he finds them asleep again. But this time it's sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And again, what we're beginning to see here is here's the shepherd shepherding over them. And uh, it, it, it's in contrast to that back up in verse 27, where he, Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And what he's doing here is he's demonstrating the sheep are going to be scattered. Why? Because they're going to smite the shepherd. And the real reason is, is that the scripture has foretold it. This is what's going to happen. So after they failed to stay awake, really, if you come back there to verse 38, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 37, the end. Couldst not thou watch one hour? I mean, they couldn't even stay awake an hour. And yet, despite their failure the two times, <coughs> he comes in now on this third time. And uh, he, again, he comes back. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't uh, yell at He doesn't put shame on them. He doesn't guilt them for their failure. And this time, verse 41, he tells them to sleep on. Sleep on. And uh, obviously, there, there's some trouble coming, and they need their rest. And he understands what's going on. And uh, he understands that great tribulation, great trouble is coming their way, great persecution, and they do need their rest. Now, look over at Luke 22 with me. Luke 22, Luke 22 and verse 45, because Luke will shine a little light in here on what Mark doesn't tell us. Luke 22, 45, and when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. So they weren't, he understands that these guys are emotionally exhausted at this point. There's been a lot going on. They've been in that upper room now, John 13, 14, 15, 16. 
They've had the evening with him. They've had all of this going on around, and now they go out. And, you know, I know what it is to work overnights in a, in a, you know, outside. And, you know, about 3 or 4 in the morning, you're done, you know. And you get a little comfortable, and the next thing you know, you're out. <laughs> and that's where these guys are. So when you come back to Mark 14, again, Mark is, he's going to go one event to the next event. He's... Really, there's no time to think about all that's going on. He's connecting these events together, as we've said. And in Matthew and in Luke and in John, we see more commentary of what's going on. And we're going to look at that here as we go through here, because Mark is just going to, I mean, he's just hammering down. Uh, verse 41, And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, sleep on. So obviously they're asleep. Take your rest. Sleep on now. Take your rest. You, so, he understands they're emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. They've had a long day and a long night. And he's telling them it's okay to get your rest. Now, they're not getting things spiritually, understanding what's going on, the dullness of, of hearing issue. But now, but then he says, Verse 42, rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. So he's, he's been watching them while they sleep, the shepherd over them, and now let's go, guys, get up, it's time to go. And literally what's going to happen here is he's going to rouse them up. So in verse 41, he's, he says, sleep on now and take your rest. See the colon there? Okay. Then he says, it is enough. So it's time to get up. You've had enough rest. It's time to get up. It's time. So take your rest. You got that? Now it's enough. Here, let's go. Get up. It's time to get up. You've had, you, you've rested enough. It's time to get going because the betrayer is, is at hand. It's the next event is going to get going. So the rest is over. Let's get up. It's time to go. He's let them rest. They've had a tough time in it. There's a tougher time coming. Now it's let's go. Verse 42, rise up, let's go. Let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Now watch verse 43, and immediately. So when he says, it is at, it, betrays me, is at hand, and then he says, immediately, that gives us an idea of what at hand means. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's immediate, see. It's not over there where we can't see it or get to it. It's right here. And the great illustration is the keys, they're at hand. I can get at it immediately. And, and that's really, really what's going on here. Literally, it's not in the future. It's right here within their grasp. It's right here, guys. And you know what? Show, who shows up? Verse 44, there's Judas. And he, um, verse 43, while he yet spake, sorry, not 44, 43, while he yet spake cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and swords, and stabs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given him a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away. 
verse 46, uh, verse 45, and as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him, and they laid their hands on him and took him. And what you have here is you have what is usually called the kiss of betrayal. It's an interesting thing, by the way, that Judas says, I'm going to kiss him, and he's the one. So that would indicate that when you looked at this group of guys, no, none of them stood out as being Messiah. That means the Lord looked like all of them. You go into Song of Solomon, you see the description there of him and everything. He wasn't, he wasn't Superman. He didn't have a glow about him, you know, the painters, Michelangelo and all those guys. He didn't have any of that. He looked like a normal, everyday Jewish man. In order for Judas to identify him this way indicates that the Lord didn't stand out on these guys. He just blended right in with them in appearance, okay? But you'll see here what Mark does. Mark just gave you the facts. Here's Judas's legacy. The kiss of betrayal. Boom. All right, next, next event, verse 47. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest. And See, it just went right to the next event. And, and we, when you look at what Mark is doing, and then you come over and we'll go to Matthew 26 now, and we'll see there's a little bit more elaborate to it. It's very fascinating. Mark makes clear statements. There's no pageantry. There's no dressing it up. Here's just the facts. So come over to Matthew 26. And just we'll, we'll probably do this more often now because we're getting into the how that Christ died for us <laughs> issues. And it's critical to see as much of the components as we can. Matthew 26, if you look at verse 47, again, verse 44 is where we were. He left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold, fat, hold him fast. Now watch. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Mark just said, Master, Master. Matthew's got a hail in there. Why? Because that's the language of a king. Hail the king. There's the king right there. And as Matthew depicts him as the king, as the uh, ruling head over the nation of Israel, hail the king. Verse 50, And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Notice, Here's the judgment of a king. You're my friend. What he, Judas could have been his friend. <laughs> he wasn't his friend. By the way, that's going to pull out of Psalms uh, 41. Just run back there, Psalms 41 real quick here. See, there's a, there's a pull here, Psalms 41. 
Psalms 41, verse 9. Psalms 41, verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And that's what's being fulfilled here when Jesus says there in verse 50, Friend, wherefore art thou come? That's not in Mark, see? Now, what Judas is doing here is he could have been the Lord's friend, but yet in betraying him, uh, come over to John 15. He lost that opportunity. He lost the opportunity to be the Lord's friend. So again, when Jesus says friend, that, again, that's a judgment of a king there. You're, you're my friend. You could have been my friend and you didn't. Uh, if you look at John 15, we're in the upper room, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now, he's in the upper room, okay? He's, he's got the, the, he says, you're my friend. Verse 15 by the way, ye are my friends. What, what qualifies you to be a friend if you keep whatsoever I command you? See, how are, that's, that's how you are his friend. Verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made him known unto you. Again, called them friends. They've, they've been given the word. There's an opportunity to be friends here. But now if you come back to chapter 13 of John, John 13, if you look at verse 26, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into, Jews, into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Okay? So now what happens? Judas isn't there. Verse 30. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. So when the Lord in, in chapter 15 is talking about, You are my friends, if you do it, he's not taught. That's to the 11. Judas is gone. So the 11 he calls friends. So Judas lost, come on over to Luke 22, the opportunity, the privilege to be a friend because he was not going to go, he wasn't going to do by faith what God had given them to do. He was after the money. He was after the religious. Okay, now Matthew, again, here's the king sitting in judgment, makes a pronouncement about his status. Friend, you could have been my friend, and you aren't. Mark doesn't do that. Mark, master, master. If you look at Luke 22, verse 47, Luke twenty-two forty-seven, And while he yet spake, he behold a multitude, and he, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Notice the question. 
Well, Luke presents the Lord as the Son of Man, as man. And when, and when he's, calling to, he's calling attention to the fact that you are, that Judas, you're betraying the Son of Man. Okay? And he's identifying him. I'm going to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. He's identifying him, again, as that issue of the God-man, the emphasis on man, his humanity. What are you doing, Judas? You betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss. Come over to John 18. John emphasizes the Lord's deity as the Son of God. John 18. So all the stuff that Jesus is doing here is in dealing with this betrayal, and again, there's more information, a, a broader picture painted. And uh, Judas is, uh, here in John 18, Judas is, he's just, uh, he's a uh, support cast here. In John 18, this is all about the Lord and what he's doing. John 18, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. So we're into the garden. What's he go do? He goes and prays three times, comes back, rest, okay, because the betrayer's coming. Verse 2, and Judas also, <coughs> which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted there, thither with his disciples. So when Judas shows up, he knows where the Lord's going to be. He doesn't, there's no worry about guessing. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. <coughs> Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Now, watch what he does. Okay, He knows everything that's about to happen. Why? He's God, deity. And he goes for it. He's going he's gonna to go out there now, and he's going he's gonna to prove to them that he is the Son of God. There's no hesitation. There's no... It's, it's like he already has the victory in his mind. I've already won. Verse 5. And Jesus answered him, they answered him, whom you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now, again, the he is in italics because in English it's an I am, fill in the blanks, an incomplete sentence. But notice the question, who do you seek, who are you looking for? Verse 7, then ask he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. <coughs> Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou givest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear, the servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup 
which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? See, when he says there, the, the, which my Father hath given me, there's no ifs if it's now not my will but thy will be done. It's all resolved. He's going to the cross to accomplish the Father's will. Now, back up there in verse 5, when he answers them, Man, this is going to be irritating all night. <coughs> I wondered if it would be. <laughs> but when he answers them here, and he says, I am, he, and he does it the two times, that's that Jehovah title, I am, he, I am the Son of God, I am God the Son. And what they do? They fall backwards. Then he asks them, who are you looking for? And they say it again, you know, after the first time, you'd think they had figured it out. But what John's pointing out is, is that the fact that this is God himself being betrayed. Okay? And really it's deeper than that, in that here's God himself, he's literally going to surrender himself to being betrayed. And that's why... Again, when they ask, who are, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am, there's this, there's this thought process here of same answer. Why? Because I am, I'm, you're, I'm being betrayed, and I'm, but I'm surrendering. And yet here they are, all, you know, the whole bit of them, the whole gang of them, lanterns and torches and swords and weapons, and he says, no, I am he. Here's the sh and then he says, verse 8, verse 9, that, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8, if therefore you seek me, let these go their way. There again is the shepherd protecting the sheep. What's on his mind, verse 9, is fulfilling the scripture. What's the scripture say? The scripture says, of whom which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then, then in verse 10 and 11, we see what Peter does. And Peter is still, when he, Peter pulls that sword out and he smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Now, the only way to do that is if the guy is ducking. Because if Peter comes down on him, he would have hit his shoulder. But Peter is headhunting, see. And what just, what this demonstrates here is that He's trying to protect the Lord, but the Lord can protect him with just one word, okay? So in John, we get this bigger, elaborate picture of what's happening in the garden. In Mark, we just get the account. We just get the, the facts. And again, Matthew, the king, hail. Mark, the servant, Boom, boom, can the servant work? Luke, the man, you're betraying the son of man. John, God, here's God, he's deity. No one can take him unless he's allowed them to. By the way, verse 12, then the band and the captains and the officers of Jesus of, of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. So when we come back to Mark 14, <coughs> Mark, uh, actually get John 13. Go back there to John 13 and get Mark 14. Okay, so when you see, uh, Mark 14 and John 13, and we'll make a 
make a connection here. So what you're seeing here is this events are happening and Peter does that and, and the Lord, all of this stuff is happening. Mark 14, verse 45. And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. Now, if you look at John 13 and verse 13, ye call me, now again, they're in the upper room. This is before Judas leaves. And he says, ye call me Master and Lord. And ye shall say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and Master, see that Lord, Master and Lord? Judas never calls him Lord. He always calls him Master. And in Mark, go back there to Mark 14, he calls him Master, Master. And again, Judas was never a man of faith in regards to who Christ made his, was and <clears throat> made his claim. So verse 45, master, master, and kissed him. Verse 46, and they laid their hands on him and took him. So they, back up there to verse 43, the mob, the religious mob. By the way, you'll see a great multitude, the end of verse 43, with swords and staffs from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. There's the religious mob. They're, they're, they, they're going, the servant of the chief priest. He's the leader. The Malchus there, take, um, guy, character, <clears throat> he's leading the charge. Now, if you drop down, look at verse 53. <coughs> and they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and elders and scribes. So they sent a great mob out there to get him, and they are waiting for him. They're waiting for them to take him and to bring him in. And they're hoping that he's more dead than alive when they bring him in, okay? Because then, then it's a done deal. So here they are. They're going to, this mob, this, this, they're in riot gear. They're all, you know, mobbed up. And by the way, that's all done for intimidation, Okay? Because, again, the Lord says, I am he, and knocks them all down. They get themselves up. He goes, I am he, and they're, you know, <laughs> and he knocks them down. So they're, they are waiting. The, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the leaders of Israel, they are waiting. They're ready for him coming. And, again, no attempt to to debate the guilt of Judas or the... Le nope, he's coming, he's ours. So he's, again, this just demonstrates their guilt as the leaders of the nation, that issue about Israel being a commonwealth. You know, Paul will make reference to it in Ephesians 2, the commonwealth of Israel. They're led by their leaders. And the leaders are the ones that represent the nation. So what's happening here is the leaders of the nation are betraying him. And the leaders, and there's no, there's no effort to debate right or wrong or anything. It's just going to happen. So verse 47, And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now again, we know that's Peter from John 18. 
But the key the thing to see here is what gets labeled on Peter. Peter gets, sometimes Peter gets called a coward, and he's really not a coward. He, he's, he, he, he's never, the, the guy that's going to be a coward in all of this is going to end up being Pilate. Because Pilate three times says he's a just man, he's an innocent man. But then the wife gets involved, says cut him loose, you know, all this. So really the, the guy that's a coward is Pilate. Peter here, he's not that way. But, but there's something, look, up, look back at John 18 there where we just were. Sorry, I should have had you hold it. <clears throat> John 18. When you think about Peter here, John 18, verse 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Think about what Peter's doing there. He's defending the Lord. But he's using the wrong sword to do it. You see, Christ had given them the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. All right? He had given them instructions about what he had to go and do. He's told them three times, I've got to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to have to die, and I'll resurrect the third day. But Peter isn't getting it. Christ has told him, I've got to go fulfill the Scripture. Peter argues with the Lord. So he takes the sword. And the, high, the servant of the high priest here, he's leading the crowd. And <clears throat> he's ducking. Peter gets his ear. Verse 11, Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So put it away, Peter. Verse 12, Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. And that is what Peter was not prepared for. Peter was not prepared for giving up without a fight. Come back to Mark 8. Peter was not ready to surrender. Mark chapter 8. Peter was a commercial fisherman, and those guys fight at the drop of the hat, and sometimes they would drop the hat to fight. So it's, that's the case. And Peter, he, he, he was ready to give his life for Christ. He didn't understand that Christ, what Christ was, going, was doing was a willful, voluntary surrender. In Peter's mind, we don't surrender. We fight to the end. Mark chapter 8, look here at verse 31. And he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You see, it's real clear. Matthew 16, he began. Luke 18, they don't get it. But what did Peter do? He's, by the way, he spake that, verse 32, openly. He just plainly tells them what's going on. But Peter began to rebuke him. And again, here's the Lord telling them what the Scriptures needs to be done. This is what Scripture says. 
And Peter gets boiled up in his flesh and says, no, that ain't going to happen. So verse 33, but when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Notice he doesn't look at Peter in this rebuke. He looks to the guys, Peter standing off to the side, and he says it this way. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And that's the thing, that, that thing about get thee behind me, Satan, it has to do with that flesh. See, the Lord rebukes him here. And he says, Pete, what you're thinking about is your flesh. You're listening to your flesh and you're not listening to the word of God. You're coming over here wanting to try to whip them, you know, beat them with the sword, and the Word is what's going to win today because this Scripture says that the Messiah is to go and be cut off. It says it's, he's, he's come, he's numbered with the transgressions, and he's going to be uh, uh, crucified. And P Pete, you're not getting it here. Verse 34, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's going to be come, they're going to take up. So to follow him, you have a what? You have a cross. And, and notice it's not take up my cross, but take up his cross. And the, his, the cross there is that cross of rejection because what's happening at Calvary is Israel is rejecting the Messiah. See, And then you're going to follow me. Verse 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. And again, what's the concept here? Saving your life, losing it, save it. You see, Peter didn't get this really until Pentecost, after the resurrection, after everything, his understanding was open. And that issue there in verse 35, to save your life, you have to do what? You have to lose it. And what losing it is, is, is to surrender your life to doing what the Word of God says needs to be done, to doing the will of God, not my will, but thy will. And that's the issue of losing the life there. And Peter just isn't, verse 36, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's the whole thing. And Peter in the garden, Peter doesn't get this yet. Now, he'll have his understanding opened and down the road, but that's where we're at. So when we're here, here in chapter 14 in the garden and he's whipping the sword out, he's got the wrong sword. And in that issue here, when he does that, verse 47, I'm back in Mark 14. Where we're at here in the garden, they're going to take him, is we're at a moment of it's time to make a decision, guys. And the decision is, are you just going to be a bystander and let it be, or are, or are you going to pay attention to what's going on and know that in three days I'm going to resurrect, rise? Okay? And what we're going to find out is they decide to just be a bystander. Actually, down in verse 50, they all forsook him and fled. See, they're, they're going to run. 
That's what's going to happen with some of them. John's, John's going to go in with the Lord in through the situation. Peter's going to follow behind and then follow even further behind, deny him and so forth. So down in verse 54, and Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And most preachers call that the devil's fire. And it really isn't that at all. He's, John will send the little girl down there and to get him. Say, hey, go get him and bring him in, and he won't go in. And she says, your speech denies you. You're from the north. <laughs> We're in the south. You're in the north, you know. And Peter's reaction here is not one of fear and, and cowardice. It's rather a reaction of confusion, bewilderment. Why are we giving up? Verse Again, why are we giving up? Why aren't we fighting this, Lord? What's going? And again, the Lord's told them why and what the Scriptures need, and he isn't getting it. By the way, after John 21, he's, he just says it's time to go back to fishing. Let's go back to the old life. And the Lord comes in, and, I mean, he's followed he, followed, he follows Christ from a distance when it's all done. He goes, it's time to go back to the old, let's go see if we can't get our boats back, and let's go fishing. And great, again, not out of fear or cowardice, but of just confusion. Why did we, we had them. We could have took them. <laughs> we could have beat them. So verse 48, Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take staves to take me. Before he's taken, Jesus he addresses the crowd here that has come up against him. I mean, again, think about how they came to take him. They're in riot gear. They're armed. It's religious intimidation here. They're not. It's not a. And and so Christ challenges them. You you think you need all of this? Why would you think that? You think I'm a thief and a robber? Well, verse 49. Note, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. I've been here all along, right in, in and out amongst you, and you don't take me. But now you come and take me. So this has that... Uh, that air of a little phony here, a little over, overkill. They know who he is, and they know that he wasn't an evildoer. But yet, really what's going on? The scriptures are being fulfilled. And that's why he does surrender. Why? Because the word says for him to surrender. That's why back there in John, he'll say... Um, I have the power to lay my life down, to take it up. I, no man's taking this from me. I'm doing this willingly and so forth. Verse 50, and they all forsook him and fled. And again, that's the disciples. They run John over there in 18. He asked that they be set free, Nothing, and off they went. Verse 51, <clears throat> by the way, if, that verse 50, and they all forsook him and fled. If you look back up at verse 31, 
And he spake the more vehemently, this is Peter, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. This is Peter's big boast. But then look at the rest. Likewise also said they all. So Peter made the big boast. So did they. In verse 51, what'd they do? We're out of here. See you later. Yeah, and again, it's really more out of confusion and bewilderment about what's happening than just being cowards. So when push come to shove, what'd they do? They took off. They forsook him. Now, verse 51 and 52 are some two weird verses here. And you only find them in Mark. And uh, it's rather confusing to a lot. And, and there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled w from them naked. Now, that gets a lot of, huh? What's going on there, you know? And uh, quite honestly, I'll give you a, huh? What's going on there? But I'll give you a, 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 an idea here. Here's a guy, if you think about this, they've all forsaken him. And here's a guy walking, comes up, okay? And so, by, by the way, the commentaries and the religious guy, they say that this probably was Mark himself. And it's not, okay? So I'll just lay that out there. But yet what's happening here is this guy, he's following the Lord. Now, not, not all of them that follow the Lord are, are believers, okay? You go back in, there to Mark 8 where we were a minute ago. Well, just stay here because of just the time-wise. They, they come to take him, and here's this guy. But what I want you to catch is the linen cloth. Okay? It's, and I know what happens. They fo everybody focuses in on the naked body stuff, but, it, but really the focus here is where are they taking him? They're taking him to be tried and crucified. And this kid, this young man shows up, having a linen cloth cast about, and then he leaves the linen cloth and runs away. All right? So he's not properly dressed. So the linen cloth idea, an idea would be like pajamas or a sleeping garment, okay? But where are we going with the Lord here? He's headed to the cross. What does, he's going to, so really that linen cloth, come over to chapter 15, chapter 15, and verse 45, 1545. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph, and he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. So when we see here in verse 51 and 52, this guy is giving the Lord burial garments, if you will, the linen cloth. So here's a guy, he's wrapped up in a linen cloth, pajama, he's not properly dressed. He leaves, and that the outer, he, I mean, he leaves, he flee, he, he leaves the outer garment, he leaves with nothing. 
and he's, despite the shame of, of nakedness, and, but he's, and despite the shame of being identified as a, as a follower of Christ, what's he doing? Here's a linen cloth and runs. Here's this guy following. Come back to Amos chapter 2. Amos chapter 2. <clears throat> Amos. I was listening to this being read the other night because I couldn't stay awake when I was reading, so I put it on the headphones. Amos chapter 2. Look at verse 14. Amos 2.14. Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his force. Neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow. And he that is swift of foot shall not deliver him. Neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver him. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. Here, here's the he, the defeated. And what's, what's he doing? He's fleeing away naked. So here's this guy fleeing in the day of defeat, and he's naked. And he, he's not thinking about the shame of the public nakedness. He's not thinking about the shame of being identified as a follower of Christ, see? But yet, at that decree, at that defeat time, that time of it's time to make a decision, guys. This guy says, nope, no way, I'm out of here. And when he, le when he takes off, what does he do? He leaves that, that, what eventually will become a picture of the of the burial garment that is going to be wrapped in the Lord around the Lord. So when you come back to Mark 14, <coughs> this is the <coughs> the uh, again 51 and 52. I read those and I go, huh? But then again, in trying to parse it together. At the moment, that's my best guess, okay? It's not Mark, the writer, uh, or anything. It's just a young man following the Lord, and he's not properly dressed, and he leaves, and he leaves that outer garment laying there, and he doesn't care about the shame or the identity issues. He's just getting away from the Lord, and he's fleeing. And he's, the others have forsaken him, and he, he's right there with him. Now, what's going to happen here? is in verse 53 and following, now we're going to see the trial. He's going to be pulled into the trial there uh, in, the, in, in, in the evening time, and he's going to be under great scrutiny. He's going to go before uh, Pilate. Peter denies him. He's going to go before Pilate, and then he's going to go in chapter 15 on to Calvary. Okay? So we will pick up in verse 53 and kind of just keep the thought going here next week, Lord willing. And hopefully I can get over this cough. So if you'll be kind enough, we can be done because I'm about out of energy. So, um, okay. 
All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for everything that we have in your son. For the picture here of Calvary and the events around it leading up to it, that it would just resonate in our heart all that you have done for us at this moment in time. In your name we pray. Amen.